You're listening to Following the Way, a podcast devoted to the examination of Scripture and Christ-centered practices to help us live in devotion to the way of Jesus. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you again for being with us and for tuning in. It's great to have you here. We are uh, right now just beginning a uh, look at the book of Hebrews uh, on this podcast. We began last episode with an introduction, uh, looking and considering how applicable and relevant this book is for us right now in the Western Church um, with the resistance and hostility that the church is facing facing in a post-Christian society uh, and from progressive liberalism within the church and how uh, the book of Hebrews really calls us to see Jesus as above all things. And that's where we ended our first episode on. And uh, we're going to dig into that deeper today by looking at a few verses from Hebrews 1 and uh, considering what that means and and what uh, Hebrews 1 uh, tells us of Jesus and and his divinity. And so really excited for this. and, and coming into Advent, I think that the focus of this for us is a great blessing uh, as we fix our eyes on Jesus. So uh, the beginning of Hebrews 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now, these are incredible verses that we just read, and they reveal five eternal truths about Jesus that we see being unpacked here. Number one, that is that he, it says that he is the creator of all things, that uh, he was part of the making of the universe. He's part of the creative work of Almighty God. And the second thing we see is that he is the radiance of God's glory, that, and it, the, the wording there in the Greek, it speaks of this radiation out from him. There's this total reflection of God in Jesus. The third truth we see is that he is the exact representation of God's being. It says that he he speaks for God, it says in verse 2. It also can mean that he is the imprint. Like it, the Greek there, it speaks like that of an engraving, that there's this imprint of, of the very nature of God, the essence, the substance of God himself expressing his very nature. All of this is in Jesus himself. It's an incredible, incredible truth. Uh, as one theologian put, points out, he says, the radiant light of God's glory suggests the one oneness of the Son with the Father, while the perfect copy of his nature maintains the distinctiveness of the Son from the Father. And so there's both this oneness that we see in the Trinity, but also this distinctiveness of Jesus himself as the Son. The fourth truth we see is that he sustains all things by his powerful word. He upholds the universe, the whole, all flesh, by his powerful word. All things are 
are sustained by Jesus. There's nothing outside of that. And then fifth, uh, the fifth truth that we see here is that he provides purification for our sins. Some manuscripts, or the early manuscripts added uh, by himself, that, that, that Jesus did this by himself. And it's certainly, uh, whether or not that was in the original text, it's certainly supported in the rest of Hebrews that this idea of the complete work of Jesus' sacrifice for sins. So he's the creator of all things. He's the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact uh, representation of the Father. He sustains all things. Everything is upheld by him. And he provides purification for our sins. He is he has given us salvation. Incredible truth. And then verses 4 to 14, maybe they seem to pivot a little bit. And they, they focus on how Jesus is superior to the angels as well. And, and we might wonder, what what's the big deal about angels? Like, like, why is this the immediate focus for the writer? I remember when I was younger reading through Hebrews, thinking that it was a little bit different and odd. Um, and, and this is where we need to think about the recipients of Hebrews and, and, and go a little bit deeper in understanding the text. Because it's being written to a Jewish audience who now followed Jesus as their Messiah. And and so the writer here, he begins to quote several Old Testament texts. There's there's, uh, a number of them from the Psalms that um, he's pulling and putting together here to uh, support his assertion that Jesus is above all things, that as the Messiah, he he uh, he is God himself. And it's important because while well, the Old Testament were their scriptures at the time, there, there was no collection um, of the New Testament. The, they were simply, the New Testament was simply gospels and, and letters, and, but they saw the Old Testament as their scripture. And so it was through the lens of the Old Testament that these people shared their understanding of the Messiah. And like today, there were various interpretations of who this suffering servant that Isaiah spoke of might be. And, and so certainly there was questions in the Jewish community, even to this day, of, of, of who that is. And, and for those that don't accept Christ, they, they're still looking. And so what the early church clearly believed, though, is that Jesus was the manifestation of the Messiah and God himself. Philip, when he met the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, and, and this uh, the Ethiopian was asking, he was reading Isaiah 53, and he asked him, he says, like, who, who is this suffering servant that Isaiah is speaking of? And, and Philip immediately points him and says that Jesus is the fulfillment, that this is speaking of Jesus himself. That's how the early church understood that prophetic word in Isaiah. And on the road to Emmaus, where Jesus appears and he's walking with the two disciples who don't recognize who he is. And it says there that he opened up the New Old Testament to the two disciples and showed the things, all the things from Moses all the way to the prophets. So the entirety of the Old Testament, he showed them the things and opened up to them the things that spoke of him. So... The question is why? Why angels? Why? Why are they? Why is the writer here comparing Jesus and 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 saying that he's above, he's superior even to angels? Well, because the Jewish people were accustomed 
to God speaking to them through mediators. And, and at critical points in history, God had spoken to his people through angels. And we see this in the, in the Old Testament in various places. And so the writer is unpacking how Jesus is superior to all of them. And this is where, again, for context, you know, we probably, we don't, we don't look at, at angels and probably rightfully so now, but we don't look at angels in the same way. But the writer's saying to his recipients that, you know, this was a big deal for them as, as, uh, as Jewish people. And so he's saying, he's reminding them that the son, Jesus as the son is on the throne and it's an eternal throne that Jesus is on. That, that it, he says that, that, that this throne will uh, go on for forever and ever. And, uh, you know, just incredible truth that, that, uh, that it speaks of, of Jesus here. And, and so he's attributing, and, and this is what's so incredible here, is that the writer of Hebrews is attributing to Jesus texts that had for centuries been spoken uh, of God, of Yahweh. And now the writer is, is putting Jesus at the very center of these texts, saying that these, these texts actually speak prophetically of Jesus who was to come. And so for those who might be tempted due to cultural pressure at the time to acknowledge that Jesus, yeah, he was special, you know, he was a great teacher, and uh, he was really profound, spoke some really incredible things, but you know, maybe maybe he's not really quite God, or or maybe he's not really God, and and you know again the, the cultural pressure on them was, you know, if you would just relinquish that claim that Jesus is God, well, life's going to be a lot easier for you, and so the writer is putting the spotlight on the divine nature of Jesus and just clearly articulating, this is who Jesus is. This is not something to consider um, stepping back from. This is, this is like, this is the essence of the gospel. This is the essence of what it means to follow the way of Jesus. And so looking at this right now where we're at, there, there's pressure for us today, certainly as followers of Christ, to minimize the the message of Jesus, the exclusivity of Jesus, the centrality of him in all creation, to, to compromise in so many ways. And, you know, if you do, it is probably going to be easy for you in cultural, culture. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be an easier way to live. And Hebrews 1 draws us back to him. He says, no, 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 this, this is central. This is, where, this is where we begin with the divinity of Jesus. And so, you know, yeah, the threat of being social outcasts and being seen as weirdos, as, as we uh, heard in the last episode, right now, that's real. If you're going to subscribe and hold to a, bibli- a, 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 a biblical uh, worldview, faithful to Scripture, faithful to the authority of Scripture and to Jesus being the center of all things, social ostracism and being seen as a weirdo is real. People will, you know, if, if that, if you flush that out to people, you will, uh, you will, the, the question will come back to you. Uh, I, I'm sure of it will eventually will come back to you. You, you, you seriously believe this? 
This is this is what we must settle in ourselves in these days and in the days to come. Yes, I believe this. This this these are the goalposts, these are the markers for what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus is on the throne. He is the creator of all things. He is over all things. He sustains all things. He is the radiance of God's glory. He has revealed who the creator is. I mean, just those proclamations, those declarations, when we affirm that, that shapes our lives. When you begin to unpack and flush out what that means for your life, and I'll, and I'll just, you know, go away and think about that. Jesus is on the throne. He's the creator of all things. So all things bow to him. He's over all things. There's nothing higher than him. He sustains everything. All life, all flesh, everything is sustained by the word of his power. So again, the, you know, he's the radiance of God's glory. He's He has revealed to us the very imprint, the very nature of God. That shifts everything and how we live if we're going to live in agreement and in, again, yeah, I seriously believe this. And so the question that I think it leaves with us, Hebrews 1, is are, are you willing to stand on this? And are you willing to make your life surrender to this truth as the ultimate reality? This, this is the call of Hebrews, and this is why it begins like this in Hebrews 1. And so we'll go on and we will continue uh, in Hebrews 2 because the the very first verses of Hebrews 2 uh, pick up on this because it gives us a, uh, a therefore. And when we see a therefore in scripture, it means in light of what was just said, in light of what you've just heard, now... And then it goes on. And so that's where we're going to go next when we pick this back up with Hebrews 2. Hope you enjoyed this. Hope that this was edifying to you. And uh, I want to pray that this would help you um, just cement your apprenticeship to the ways of Jesus. Uh, Be blessed. Lord willing, we'll see you again.